You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 341, we're discussing Bob Iger back at Disney, Indiana Jones 5, and Avatar 2. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Ian. We are pleased to have Ian back in the Nerd Room here, coming hot off his latest YouTube video up on the Nerd Room YouTube channel, and reviewing that Harley Quinn Mafex. You've been really into the toys recently, Ian, talking a lot about toys on Stream Live, as well as the videos that you've been putting up. But here today, you are here to talk about all the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. We got a lot going on here, man. But first things first, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, can't complain. Life's treating me well. And Excellent. yeah, as you said, toys, toys galore. I think it's that time of year where, you know, toy companies start dropping lots of stuff and lots of cool stuff's coming out over here in Japan. I've been picking up Hot Toys, Mafex, Marvel Legends. So it's been a fun time unboxing them recording them popping them on youtube yeah man just awesome i love seeing all the toys all the modern stuff that you're bringing into the space but we're here this week to talk about all kinds of news from across the world and nerd including bob Iger, my favorite bob one of my idols is back as the ceo of disney and this really shook up the entertainment industry and does have some cascading effects into the things that we talk about here every single week specifically around lucasfilm and Marvel, now speaking also about Lucasfilm, Indiana Jones 5. We got our first look at that, potentially our first trailer here in the coming weeks. And it's exciting to talk about that next iteration of this character, that next film that's going to be dropping here in 2023. We've got a few things to run through that also are a little bit more near and dear to you that I want to give the listeners an opportunity to hear a different perspective on things like Avatar 2, Black Panther 2, as well as Black Adam. You got a bit spicy online this weekend with regards to your first (laughs) viewing of Black Adam, which is already on VOD. And I want to give the listeners an opportunity to hear a brief synopsis and a brief summary of what you are seeing in all of those films. I'm going to do that a little bit later on. Let's get over to This Week in Nerd. All right, everyone, welcome to This Week in Nerd, where we discuss the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. And now we're going to discuss the biggest news article, one of the biggest industry shakeups in the history of the entertainment business. Bob number one, Bob Iger, is returning as the CEO of Disney after the sudden and abrupt ousting of Bob number two, Bob Chapek, from that role that he just took over 999 days ago two years roughly-ish in that role, really picking it up at the start of the pandemic and coming out the other side with a much weaker Disney if you look at the stock prices and where some of those major IPs are at. Now, what does this all mean? Usually when you have a big CEO change, it's for a multitude of reasons, an amalgamation of of different things that aren't going well, but it's usually profit-focused and someone being ousted in this fashion, in the absence of some sort of discriminatory scandal or something that is not really above board. It really comes down to the company culture and the direction for the future. And it seems that the Disney board was not seeing a lot of future with Bob Chapek at the helm as they're a company that was left in pretty good shape when Bob Iger departed that role after 15 plus years 
in it, really bringing things in like Marvel Studios, Lucasfilms, 20th Century Fox, and kicking off Disney+. Plus. Those are a lot of the legacy items that Bob Iger left there. And unfortunately, Bob Chapek came into a world that saw the entertainment industry turn completely on its head with the pandemic, with a big shift over to things like the streaming services, taking priority. Now, like I said, Ian, a lot of things contributed to Bob Chapek's departure. The parks are suffering. Some of the creatives are suffering. Bottom line is suffering. Ultimately, there was some controversy even inside of Florida and the way things were handled with certain political issues. But one thing I want to focus on here that's more relatable to us here in the Nerd Room is really the streaming service. You know, we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of years. I even hailed this as the answer to the film-going experience at once. And there's been a lot of money dumped into this aspect of the entertainment industry and the likes of Netflix, Disney Plus, Crave slash HBO Max at one point here. But we've seen this progressive rollback with HBO Max teetering on the edge of survival. The subscriber count at Disney Plus is high as it's ever been, but profits are down by $1.5 billion. That's the losses for that streaming service. And it really looks like the ousting in part was due to this reshift and corporate restructuring towards the streaming services. And I want to run some numbers by you here, Ian, because I'm going to give one example of what the consequences of this shift has been. So Bob Chapek did a corporate restructuring, which focused a lot of the reporting lines and decision-making through a single individual, an individual by the name of... Kareem Daniel, who was the chairman of a new division brought online in 2020 called the Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution Division. Now, what this division did, this division was in charge of determining what went on to Disney Plus from their studios. So saying, Marvel, this is what we need. This is where it's going. And they're also in charge of the advertising for that. And so that transferred a lot of power from those individual studios into the hands of this new department and acted as somewhat of a middleman between the films, the studios, and the audience. And now the division that's probably suffered the most is Pixar. You know, Pixar, the 20-plus year studio that has delivered the likes of Toy Story and Coco and all of these great stories that have really changed the landscape of the animation experience. And my kids absolutely love all these things, as I'm sure yours have. But the one thing that I didn't quite realize is over the last couple of years, the majority of Pixar films have landed on Disney+, Plus, including Soul, Luca, Turning Red, and in a kind of a part of a way, Onward as well. Now, this is a bit of a consequence of the pandemic, but outside of Black Widow, no MCU films landed on the platform early. Outside of some of these other big Disney Studios, nothing has really landed in the same way here. So the question I got to ask is, when you look at what's happened with Pixar, you know, the strategy of streaming service, does it make sense anymore to be dropping on these things? Like Pixar movies were making upwards of 700 to a billion dollars at the box office. And their last three movies have made less, last four movies have made less than $500 million combined at the worldwide box office. The likes of Lightyear, which you and I both really liked, really mm-hmm. suffered from a lack of advertising, which was the responsibility of this group. Now, yeah. Bob Iger stepped into this role 
and effectively dissolved this department, handing a lot of the creative decisions back to the studios. So that was just one example of this big change. But for you reading this and here on the conjecture online, I tried to frame that out a little bit as one of the things that Chapek maybe didn't really handle properly. But do you see this move to Iger as being a positive move for things, particularly in our space? Uh, well, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, as you said, Chapek has commented a lot of criticism for a number of things. Um, he did take on a difficult role. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, during during a pandemic, um, so it, it's a difficult thing to a difficult thing to judge. But you know, I do think Iger coming back in will have a positive impact. I mean, just look at what he achieved um, prior to his departure. Um, and yeah, it's interesting you say that a lot about the the Pixar stuff because I've actually questioned it in the past. You know, why a lot of these movies are coming straight mm-hmm. to. Uh, streaming services and it's funny just like you know even my my wife and even my kids have even mentioned it before you know it'll be it'll pop up on disney plus and we didn't even know it was coming out or we didn't know it was it was going to be there on that day mm-hmm. and you know you'll you pop it on oh wow this disney movie's on and it kind of becomes a bit of a kind of background movie where you know when you've got some time you'll put it on or you'll put it on in the background where it used to be such a big event you know, you take your kids and you take your family out to go and see these movies in the theatre. And I don't really know the reasoning behind that. Maybe they felt that parents don't want to take their children to theatres during, during uh, you know, the, the pandemic, even after things had, had calmed down. Um, or if they felt that, you know, people thought that they that families prefer to sit at home around a, a sofa and watch it on, on TV. But it's a very strange choice to make because some of these movies are fantastic and I think a lot of them have been kind of lost in the mix because, you know, there's... there's uh, The one I liked was uh, the one with the dragon. I don't even remember the name of it that just shows the... Uh, is it Rava? Rava and the dragon. Raya. That wasn't a Pixar right, film. That was, Raya. A Disney, that was a Disney Studios film. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's Disney Animation or Disney Studios Animation, whatever it's called. So it's a separate house. No, that wasn't a Pixar movie, I don't believe. But it's it's very much to that point, right? Like Soul, which again, it's a consequence of the pandemic that that came out on on Disney Plus, and we're all very thankful for it at that time, right? We're all pushing for a lot of this stuff to drop in. But then, like Luca and Turning Red, even both of them dropped on. They're fa- my they're two of my kids' favorite movies right now. Okay, there's right, some right. controversy around turning red and all this kind of stuff, you know, parents and all this, but it's it's a great movie. My kids love it. They love Luca. They loved Soul as well. Um, and then you go back to Lightyear. You know, this division was in charge of the advertising for these, and that movie was painfully misrepresented in the marketing yeah. strategy. I had no idea what that movie is about. I watched that movie. It is fantastic. It's well, great. I think I posted that on on Twitter when you know, not to spoil it for anyone, but when you actually find out what that movie is, mm-hmm. you know, where it fits within the Toy Story world, as soon as yeah. I found out that, I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And like, if I'd known that beforehand, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't have to be a, a twist. It didn't have to be something that was a surprise. I think if Absolutely they'd not. even told us that from the, the start, because a lot of the criticism for that was just, you know, why are they using Chris Evans for, mm-hmm. for Buzz? And, you know, that's not my Buzz. And, 
and people just it was just really misunderstood but if people really knew what it was about it was actually quite a clever idea and a lot of people could probably relate to that you know everybody grew up with toys and everybody watched their favorite toys on TV as cartoons mm-hmm. and movies so why wouldn't Andy have that same experience and i think it's literally you know, in the opening like there's a thing this is the story about this is the movie like we're watching a movie in a movie like spoiler but like that's what it is it's it's at the start of the movie yeah, it kind of opens and says that, right? That this is the movie that this toy was based off of. And it's yeah. such a cool concept, but like you, I had no idea. And so I put the blame on taking that that creative marketing away from some of these more connective creatives, right, to the stories. Because that movie should have done way better than it did. You know, it grossed $200 million worldwide. Like, it's yeah, one of the insane. lowest toy, performing... Movie, yeah, yeah, for a Toy Story like the last Toy Story four made over a billion dollars globally, and so yeah. there's there's a massive disconnect there. And yes, I think we can assume that there's been some adjustment even post pandemic where the numbers just aren't as high. You look at the opening of Black Panther and all that, like even Thor: Love and Thunder. Like these movies are still doing good, but they're struggling to get across this billion dollar mark now. Where before these things were almost guaranteed to go over that, especially big team up films. And so this is kind of the, some of the things that when you step back and look at this one division in particular and the net effects of of what's happening they're dumping tons of money into this stuff like these are these are 200 million dollar movies that are dropping onto this disney plus platform trying to really prop it up here right because they are competing for eyeballs in this subscriber count became the most important factor in all of this where net profitability is starting to be something that shareholders are looking after or looking for and JPEG really wasn't delivering on that. And I think even things like Lucasfilm and Star Wars has suffered more particularly because of things potentially being forced onto Disney+. Plus. Like, there's likely some mm-hmm. sort of incentive to move things. But Marvel Studios seems to be the best at developing shows that are meant for TV. Now, you can hit and miss what you like and what character and what content you like more. Like, they, they vary in quality and they vary in really their approach and how they're being presented. But... I would argue that, and I have before multiple times in the podcast, both Obi-Wan and Boba Fett were movies adapted to TV shows. They're, mov- they're shows about moments that are that are inside of a film, and it's been stretched mm-hmm. out to fit into this six to eight episode arc that feels like a lot of blow to them. When you take Andor, and I think to the same degree The Mandalorian, that was specifically written for series, they're far and away much better, and I think better executed than the two other shows that have gone on in the film in the space of Lucasfilm. And so this desire to really shift things, which I think some of the decision-making was inside of this department about where this actually goes, where, okay, we're proposing an Obi-Wan movie. No, 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 we need an Obi-Wan TV show. Readapt this into a TV show. I personally think you can see that inside of those two shows, The Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's it's a net effect well, maybe of yeah, trying to maybe. drive onto Disney+. Plus. I guess the the choice is there though. I I guess, I mean, Obi-Wan was initially announced to be a movie, right? And I think Mm -hmm. maybe they're looking at the success of something like The Mandalorian and maybe, you know, the the MCU shows. And maybe that was just, I don't like, have there been any movies that have dropped straight onto Disney Plus that have been hits, like made big money? Like I just, they, they, it never seems to be a, a a big event when a movie drops onto Disney Plus, and you know there's stuff that comes out, and like I get excited for it. No, I was really excited for Pinocchio, mm-hmm. but it was it was it was not a big 
It no. wasn't a great movie anyway, but it was just there was no hype for it. The anticipation wasn't there. You wasn't seeing people trending about this thing. It was just it just came kind of came and went. You know, I was sharing it on Twitter and nobody seemed to even notice, know it was even coming out. And it's a, so my kids both know. loved it too, the Pinocchio movie. But like you said, being dropped on a streaming service, the consequence of some of this, you know, when we're not being locked in our houses, I kind of step back and say like, okay, I can see the bigger picture here as to what's going on with this stuff. It, it's there to consume at any point in time, right? It is, it is here one day and it's gone the next, right? It doesn't become about an event. The only exclusive way to do that is to go out and experience it with a crowd. This way, it's like, well, I can do this any day of the week. I don't need to watch this on Friday night. I don't need to watch this even next. You know, sometimes I, I let things load up and I'll watch things in a big streak or we'll wait till Sunday night movie night type thing with my family. And I enjoy the aspect, especially having a younger one and not having to drag her out to the theater because I just honestly don't think she's going to sit through a whole Pinocchio movie. Um, mm-hmm. But with a 45-day window, I can wait that 45 days for her to see Pinocchio. But I think some of these properties are definitely suffering for the fact that they're dropped directly out of the streaming service even things like disenchanted was dropped there this weekend that became like we just popped it on we're like oh is this like a a sequel to enchanted that dropped like what 15 years ago or something like that and Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of stuff that just kind of gets lost in there and that hocus pocus too was was their biggest debut film ever on that platform now mind you they're up over 230 million subscribers at this point but that goes to show right like it's just this weird level on this weird platform right now where they're they're driving so much content at this and this was a huge focus of chapek and that i think in part played to a bit of his demise into this is that you know he he suffered the consequences of really the pandemic like you said he came into an unfortunate position with the pandemic having to close things like the parks and then also refocusing to where everyone thought this was going, myself included. Like you remember those early days. Well, I like, guess as well. Like it's it's not just and the pandemic has has made changes in the way that we kind of consume stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that's never happened before. It's something that's they that they can't predict, I guess. And it's it's tough choices for them to to make because even now, like people aren't buying physical media and people aren't going mm-hmm. out to watch movies. Everything's becoming so digital. A lot of people are watching. I think there's some. I saw some like statistics about you know how much people watch movies on their phones and like the percentage is insane. Like a lot of people don't even watch things on their TV these days. Mm. They watch it on a tablet or they watch it on their phones. They watch it in the in bed or while they're commuting or on their their lunch breaks at work. So the way that people are consuming these things is so it's so different. And you know they're they're trying their best maybe to appeal to these wider audiences. And it's hard to make the right decision, you know, and of course, a lot of bad decisions have been made or it could just be a case of, you know, maybe there is no right way of doing it now. Maybe, you know, there are going to be losses, Mm -hmm. you know, it could depend on the movie, it could depend on the people, the target audience that they're, they're trying to appeal to. So it's, I think it's a difficult, it was a difficult time, it still is, Mm -hmm. um, I think things are kind of going back a little to how they used to be, especially with movie theaters and things. But again, you know, whether the failings um, of of you know these these departments comes down to one person or just the situation they're in, it's hard to to decide, I guess. So, you know, whether Iger coming back is going to make big changes or not, we'll have to we'll have to see, I guess. 
Yeah, and I think that's really going to be played out in the next couple of weeks. You know, like I said at the top, I'm a big fan of Iger. I've read his book a couple times, and I think he'll come in with very definitive changes. And one of his big things was always handing back autonomy and decision-making capabilities to studio heads in particular and valuing the IP and the creative process more than really anything else. And so that's where he differs a bit from from Bob Chapek, who comes from the park side, who comes from a real financial side about you know making cost cuts and these type of things. So he's much more of a corporate guy. So we're going to see those changes. We're going to see if there's a net effect across the board here. But it's an interesting story to watch. And it's something that you know we could break down for hours, but I don't hold an expertise in any of it. I don't hold an insider view on any of it. But I do think that the streaming service, because we've chronicled so much of it here in the Nerd Room over the past couple of years, really, it was, I think, a piece that contributed to the, the ultimate downfall of Bob Chapek. But let's see what happens here. I'm happy that Bob number one, my favorite Bob, is back. Um, but we yeah, wish uh, <laughs> we wish all the best for all the studios and looking forward to more content. But let's talk about the content coming out of some of these studios and, and zip over to the MCU, Marvel Studios in particular, who is going to have a presence over the next couple of weeks with, uh, with CCXP. This is a Brazilian comic expo that has, over the past couple of years, you know, past five, six, seven years, has really gained a lot of international recognition, uh, recognition of being a hub point for a lot of studios going down and making very large presentations in the magnitude and size of what we see at SCCC and New York Comic Con. And Marvel Studios is really getting in on the game this year in particular as they have confirmed to be having a presence down there with Feige and the cast of Quantumania heading down there, likely to pump up what is the, the next big MCU film that with that Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is now in the past year, so they're going to be pumping that up. But the big tease that they did throw out was the potential for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 first footage, concept, something to that effect. And you pair that with the November 25th, this Friday release of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I'm very excited to see what the head of DC Studios can bring to the cosmos of the MCU. Are you excited for the holiday special and the potential to see maybe, or at least see a description on Twitter of the first trailer of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Oh mate, I am so excited for this. Like, this is something that is coming to streaming that I am super excited mm-hmm. for. And just, I mean, the Guardians films are up there as my top MCU movies. Like, they are just fantastic. Um, I mean, I think you know. Like, I've done a rewatch of the two movies recently. And so every weird. time I go back to them, like I just, it just surprises me every time how much I love them. Like I always go away and I, you know, take some time off and I, I know I love them. But when you watch them again, they're just so fantastic. And you know, just to have this this group come back, I mean that that trailer for for this Christmas special just looks fantastic, man. It, man, just, it makes just the trailer so many good things just, together. Yeah. All right, and it just, I mean, the the writing that that comes out of these these movies. Uh, and this team is is incredible like you know just for them to to actually bring kevin bacon into it is <laughs> is just like so clever and and yeah i'm i'm actually excited to see you know drax uh, and mantis take the the kind of lead in this one to mm. to see them and their story uh and it just looks like it has a lot of heart like the other movies do and i think it's it's a great call for them to to make this team be this year's holiday special um, yeah because i think you know these movies do have a lot of heart and people have a, lot, a good connection with these characters you know this is a family that has been created within the mcu 
uh, and of course holidays is all about family so I, I'm super excited for this yeah uh, yeah and, and yeah it, to, to see a trailer like that's that's the first time I've actually heard of of that possibly happening and it would be interesting to know the direction I think there's a lot of uncertainty around this one because this is the last time we're going to see this team right so mm. you know how that's going to play out um you know I wasn't a huge fan I like the idea of them losing Gamora in um Endgame, in Infinity War you know because it had a lot of power to it but again like I don't know how that can now play out because we're kind of chasing a new Gamora mm -hmm. and I kind of I kind of like that how that was building between um between uh Star-Lord and and Gamora but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that how that works, how they how they kind of conclude that story. Yeah, it's an interesting creative decision on the part of James Gunn there, because I will say that when you step back and look at the decision, and if you have any familiarity with Gamora from the comic book, she's very like hard edge and all this. And they got to a point in that relationship where they were so intertwined within each other, they were so connected, like you know, so lovey dovey that I think it it's hard to tell an independent story of the two of them without having some sort of break. Right. And, you know, James Gunn probably didn't want to rate them breaking up or having some sort of like rom-com break up and then come back together. Right. And so I think this way it allowed for a bit more of not so much an organic separation of that story, but I believe a story that probably had a definitive end to it and maybe didn't have anywhere to go in volume three. And this was a way to extract that out without actually having to do the dirty work of having them break up and then going through this whole process inside of this because we've been told or at least somewhat informed that this is meant to be a much more emotional journey right this is james gunn has come out and said basically this is a bit of a swan song a bit of a goodbye to not only the guardians but probably marvel studios in a major way as well right mm -hmm. where he's come back and 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 leaving these characters in some fashion, it sounds like he's had a lot of autonomy to do what he wants to do with the story with little dependency on these characters and cascading stories down the road. You know, maybe we'll see them reappear in Secret Wars, but it feels like there's likely going to be some form of definitive end and change in the team. Something similar we see in the comic books, right, is these teams change and evolve over time, introducing new characters, Drax leaves, someone else comes in, right? There's rumors of a Nova special presentation happening on Disney Plus in a similar fashion to some of the special presentations that we're going to have, not only with the holiday special, but Werewolf by Night, you know, can continue to roll out these these characters through these you know 45 hour long presentations that introduces you to the character and integrates them into the universe and allows stories to be told on film so it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with the cosmos what they do with the guardians but i think i'm right there with you and more particularly with the holiday special being just it's a great intersection of a franchise i love and a holiday that is like my most favorite of the year and like you can't go wrong with guardians at christmas <laughs> No, oh, I do. It's this Friday, right? It yeah, it's Friday, the twenty fifth, but it drops. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I had uh, just moving to the new house. I didn't have my. I have a big eighty inch TV, and it was still sort of my buddy's house. I specifically went out last night, and like just after all the kids were in bed, and picked up this TV, carried this heavy ass thing, and got it all set up because I wanted to watch this holiday special on on a big huge TV and kind of our like. Did, we have did, this you, say, little... did you say eight eight inch eight zero? <laughs> <laughs> okay man i i jumped up to like i jumped up to 70 i think no no 65 
like a couple of years ago, and I thought that was big. I mean, in a Japanese house, that's big, but like eighty, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a gift. A it was time. a gift from from my late father-in-law. Um, but uh, yeah, and so that's kind of like our movie watching TV, um, and we hadn't brought it into the new house. But now it's here. It's ready for Guardians. I wouldn't get our hopes up too much for a trailer. Sometimes in these presentations, they, there's the luxury given to the fans that are present to see the trailer and it's not released to the public. I don't love that idea. Um, I feel mm-hmm. that if you I want to do something like that, the experience of being in the room and seeing it for the first time with everyone is what you pay for and not so much the actual footage, but we have been left in the dark in the past. So potentially unfortunate that we're not going to see anything from volume three, but I would guess in the coming months, we're going to see something because that's due out. I believe this may um, is when we're going to see or this coming May in 2023. So that's going to be a nice follow-up to Quantum Mania as well. But also at CCXP, Lucasfilm is going to have a presence. And not so much on the Star Wars side because the big Star Wars thing is happening this week with the conclusion of the first season of Andor. But one of the other big properties that exists and resides inside of Lucasfilm's remit is, of course, Indiana Jones. And now we have Indy 5 dropping this June, this summer. It's going to be a continuation of that long-going story from our childhoods where Harrison Ford is again donning the fedora and coming back to fight Nazis again. Nazis in 1969. It's all about the space race. It's all about the brain drain and Harrison Ford filling those boots again and chasing around those enemies of old. Ian, thoughts on Indy 5? We haven't talked about Indy 5 on this podcast at all. It's potentially mm-hmm. it's there's potential that we're likely to get a trailer in front of Avatar two, and mm-hmm. James Mangold said we're getting an uh just was a couple of weeks ago we're getting a trailer within a month here, and Empire just had a spread of the first images from Indy Harrison Ford's looking pretty good, we've got an eighty year old Harrison Ford we got an eighty year old Indiana Jones here in nineteen sixty nine, thoughts on this franchise continuing and this potentially being the one that caps it off we thought the last one was going to cap it off. Potentially, this one is the one that's going to finish it off. Yeah, well, I'm pretty thankful the last one isn't the one that kind of capped <laughs> it off. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm again really excited for Indy. I mean, I've seen pictures of him recently released pictures of him, you know, in in costume, dressed as Indy. Uh, and of course, I love Harrison Ford. He's he's clearly looking a little bit too old to be to be Indy Jones. Um, but I think that's that's. That's one thing that Harrison Ford does well. You know, he, he'll often surprise us and he's mm-hmm. he's great every time he comes back. Um, Indiana Jones is just, I mean, Indy's just someone I've grown up with since I was a child. Like, yeah. I absolutely loved Indy. I, I dressed up as Indy for, for Halloween one year. Um, I remember once I was in my parents' loft and I found uh, a, a leather, like a leather whip. It was like this whip. And it, <laughs> rather than Ooh. my parents explain what that was, <laughs> they let me, uh, they let me use it for my indie costume <laughs> ian i think you gotta think, roll that one back and think about that a little bit more as an adult so we're not gonna get into that on this podcast but i can assure mm. you that the listeners were thinking the same thing i was there but we're gonna continue <laughs> that uh that maybe maybe your father was a bit of a trevor treasure hunter and needed um needed a little it. support He's, there uh, but <laughs> he was uh yeah he was he went on adventures that's all i'll, I'll remember that's all i'll <laughs> 
No, you're right, man. Like growing up with that franchise, and it's interesting to see that they've actually they've done a, about a 12 year, 10, 12 year jump from that last movie that was set, I believe, in 1957. You're set during kind of the the beginning of the Cold War, fighting the Russians. Um, mm-hmm. This one jumping to the space race, I think, is really cool. Like this era of Americana, I've always kind of really been fascinated by JFK, the Moon Race everything that's going yeah. on here kind of the, I should say in the moon race, the space race. And so it's gonna be interesting to insert Indiana Jones into this and bring back old foes, um, that are, you know, from, especially from Indiana Jones one and three that are kind of like the, the really the ultimate protagonist for Indiana Jones is, is always been underscored by, um, by that era. And so bringing all of that back and that history back is going to be interesting to see how they can weave this together. And I do agree with you. Like, the I think the first part of that indie movie was was kind of cool, but once you got into like the really really wild alien stuff, and it, it just got a bit bonkers at the end of that movie. Yeah, to, for me actually, I didn't. I mean, I remember watching it in the theater, and I didn't actually mind it. I didn't dislike it as much as a lot of people did. I'm probably the same. I think space. I was I was kind of into UFOs back in the day, and mm-hmm. you know, I quite liked the alien element. You know, it kind of reminded me a bit of like Stargate and and that kind of era. And I, I, you know, I, I didn't mind that. It was just there were some scenes, you know, like Shia, like Shia, going through <laughs> the jungle on the vines. That was a bit like, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. And and some of the CGI was was pretty pretty bad even for the time. Um, but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't super bad. I don't I, I don't really know though. How, how are they going? How would you think they're going to progress that with that storyline? Because of course he has a son now, and. He, is Charlotte Bo Charlotte Buff? How'd you say his name? Is he LaBeouf? coming back? I don't LaBeouf? think so. Like I I haven't heard really one way or another, but my guess would be no. They're likely just to ignore it and say, oh, I have a son, but he didn't really turn out to be much type thing. I don't know. Because he was he was yeah. Spielberg's right hand man, right? At one point. Um the Shia LaBeouf, he was meant to be pushed to the moon and and he's he's a great actor, but he's found a niche space, right? Um outside mm-hmm. of like the big Hollywood epics and all that and so handing off the franchise to him doesn't seem to be overly feasible so outside of a cameo appearance or an offshoot mention i don't imagine we'll see much from that um yeah but it seemed that he was originally meant to take up the mantle in some capacity or at least the franchise but we'll see really where that goes and uh, and just to echo some of your sentiments there on, on number four I like the alien thing too. I just think they just went one step too far at the end when he got into the spaceship and the actual aliens and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I kind of liked it being at arm's reach and more of kind of, I know they do some pretty wild stuff inside of that franchise, like pulling people's hearts mm-hmm. out and <laughs> melting people and the Ark of the Covenant and all these things. And so it wasn't a huge leap, but maybe a little bit of a bridge too far. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mangold does to, uh, to recalibrate this franchise and bring it, uh, bring it back to some of those i would say one and three is really were the films for me that i really loved that i really connected to and two two not like i really enjoyed two but not as much um yeah so. i, I love I, I love them all and i think like you know this one they've got a good villain i mean mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with Matt yes Nixon. he's gonna Matt be Nixon a great is. a great villain um, I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it, so she's a, a great actress. Yeah, I think she's playing uh, his goddaughter. Is uh, okay. is who she's meant to be, and so again, maybe a mantle passing there. Who knows how they're going to handle this? And yeah, maybe they, you know what? They, we, we... they don't even need to like. We always talk about like this this legacy and, and passing the baton and all that. They don't really need to, right? Like, do they need to pass on to a, a, 
a, a grandchild or a son or something like that to mm -hmm. make this franchise viable for the future, right? You know, could this just be the swan song for, for India and they're not going to do much more with it? Who knows? Um, that yeah, that's the question I was going to ask. Like, which, what, what would, which way, way would you prefer it to go? Because I, I don't really want, in my opinion, I don't really want them to pass it on. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really need another version of indie. You know, even even a spin-off. I mean, you're not going to have someone with the same name. It's not going to be another indie Jones. But I don't think they need a legacy character for this franchise. I kind of want it to to wrap up with me too. Because Harrison Ford is too big. He's too big of a person. It's too big of a character. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd never take like a James Bond and and change it down to you know his son his daughter his, his grandchild or anything like this you know they're always going to bring out a new bond you can't really do that with indy jones and i think it'd be nice this for this to be as you said a swan song a kind of you know a happy goodbye to to the character yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of right there with you like there's films like back to the future right there's no need to revisit that story there's no need like they've done some other stuff and rick and morty definitely takes cues from from the concepts in there but I don't. I don't think we need to revisit that universe. Like, I like. There's some of my favorite movies of all time, but I'm happy with the trilogy, and mm -hmm. I'd be happy with a nice ending to to Indiana Jones. And the fact that Harrison Ford keeps coming back to this role, this seems to be a favorite role of his. You know, the Her the Han Solo role was something that he kind of pushed back against for a long time, and there was promises made about the character not making it past a certain point, and and all of these ideas. But it seems like Indy is kind of the character that he wanted to to kind of play and put that last legacy stamp on, right? When you get to this point in your life and, you know, you can even go back to our conversation about Bob Iger, you know, when you get to the kind of the tail end, your last chapter, if you will, whether that's in your career or your life, it's, it's really about preserving legacy, right? And giving something really back to, to remember you by. And that's kind of what I see this, this last iteration of indie being for Harrison Ford is like, this is a legacy stamp for him. Maybe he wasn't overly pleased with, Indy four and wanted to do one more run of this and, and really mm -hmm. put this out. And I'm okay with the definitive end just saying, you know, this is where the Indiana character ends. This is his story spans from whatever it is, 1936 or whatever, all the way through to, to here. And this is, this is where we end with this character. Um, I think that's okay. Yeah, you know, the, the industry is about franchise building and, and legacy and building off, off of these, these huge foundations that were created primarily in the eighties and nineties. And, but sometimes it's okay just to have a film that celebrates the legacy of that character and really puts a definitive stamp on it. I, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we do know like they, we are going to get flashbacks in this movie, right? I think they, yes. Was it? Yes. Yeah. There was some news about them being de-aging in, in the movie. So there's going to be, we're going to see some young Harrison Ford. Mm hmm. And I think, I think it's the like opening he's, sequence he's they talked about being a little bit of aging okay. yeah, and going back to a time that we've seen in the previous films. Um, and so I cool. think, and Harrison Ford is very specific that it's, it's a, it's a moment in time, but that the movie, it's not about him being brushed over or anything like that and de-aging and all that. Um, it's really about the, yeah, the I think Ford he came story. out and said he, he, he promises it won't suck. I think he yeah. said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's very exciting, but one movie that we're likely to see in perpetuity forever, the franchise never ending is of course avatar. 
and what is Avatar two, three, four, five, and so on and so forth. And I don't know, dude. Like, he's, isn't he? He's recently announced that he doesn't think he can go past three now, right? Well, we'll see. He's already told the world that he's doing four hundred of them over the next six decades. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I joke here. I joke, and I, I take the piss out of out of Avatar a lot here. But you are an advocate for this. The way of the water released its or Avatar two, whatever you want to call it, released its final trailer in the build up to the release of the film. Here on December 16th, the tickets are now on sale. Avatar, yes, being one of the biggest films in all time, we've got what appears to be 15 or so years in between the first Avatar and now The Way of the Water. The graphics look great. I'm still not sold by the story, but I want you to sell me on this story because you've got a bit of connection. You've you've been a bit about you've been been more behind this film than I really ever have, but I want to know why and sell me on the concept of, of Avatar 2. Well, dude, I don't even know what the story is for the for, for what's going on, but I, I don't know. I just think it's just a really cool tale like Avatar. I, I, I just got into the first one, you know, so much. It was probably one of the best cinema experiences I've ever had. The 3D on that thing was incredible. And I remember just walking out the theater, just like the hugest grin on my face, just like, you know, that was just an, a an amazing experience and it wasn't such a deep story but you know it, it kind of reflected a lot of of real life and you know people colonizing other countries and taking over places and you know indigenous tribes being wiped out and stuff and people fighting for that and i thought it was quite a, a f- like an interesting tale it was you know which side do you do you side with and who do do you agree with and you know how you know these these are intelligent beings and how you can cons- do you consider them the same as a human and and should they be treated the same way and it's it's quite an interesting one because for me this is the one movie i've received quite a lot of kickback from liking it because even my wife hated it like my the, my wife just didn't like it because she didn't understand how a human can be in love with an alien like she just didn't get that concept, mm. but now like she loves MCU movies. It's like everybody's just like you know, with people from other other planets and stuff, especially like in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, um, <laughs> Thor. But you know, <laughs> Thor. Yeah, exactly. But like you know, for me, something about Avatar. I just think it's a really great story. It's it's got a lot of heart to it. It's about family. It's it's about mm. you know the relationships between these people. It's about people fighting for for freedom and and what they believe in um and i think the new one looks even more so like it's taking that that direction you know you've got the the main character jake and and um uh zoe saldana's character and they've got a family now and you know they're trying Mm. to fight for for their family they've got a home and you know the enemy's gone and and they're back now and they're trying to they're trying to survive. They want to live and they, they go to another tribe, you know, like another country and they're asking them for help. And, you know, in today's today's world, a lot of people don't help each other. And the whole idea mm-hmm. here is, you know, this this new tribe take them in and teach them their ways and, you know, build this relationship to to kind of, you know, save their family and save their their country, their tribe, their people. And I just think it just looks, you know, like it has a lot of emotion. It's it's a stunning movie to look at. It's absolutely mm. beautiful, even more so than the, the the first one. And you know, I think it's. I just also like a lot of the character designs. I think it's very kind of stylized. Um, 
even though you know this is a totally alien world it, it just seems like a world that could exist it's something that could be real yeah. um so i think a lot of thoughts gone into it i mean they they actually created a language for the first movie you know they it's 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 something that james cameron has come up with and it's it's a world that he's created and i think it's very similar it reflects kind of something like star wars and lucas's imagination for a world it might not be as complex and it might not have so many different facets but i think at the same time it's very imaginative and i think it has you know good story plot points to to kind of you know drive it forward so i think it has a lot of potential and i think it's something that we can a, a world that you know a universe that we could really get deep deep into mm-hmm. And whether in the future it stays on this one planet or we go off planet to other places, but I just think there's something there. For me, it's just a you know, it's a, a fantasy movie that really draws me in. And I always, every time I watch Avatar, I also I feel like I belong or I, I live in this universe. You know, this universe is somewhere out there, and it, you know, got me really invested into it. So yeah, I'm, I am a big fan. It, it, what really surprised me is you know, once I said that I liked it on on Twitter. Twitter and I look at other people's comments. It seems like everybody hates this movie. Like, I think it's hard to. Well, like, the, it's like, hard I'm, to find someone who's on the same level. Like, no one seems to be like. Everyone's like, yeah, man, it was alright. You know, I watched it. I saw it. It was a good experience, but I don't really care about the next one. Or, you know, I didn't really get it or stuff well, like for that. For a film that's the the biggest film of all time, the thing I've always struggled with is that. You know, I exited saying, okay, that was an experience, right? You know, watching it in 3D, and that's really what kicked off of... I've never forgiven it for that, for kicking off this thing where I still, in some movies, have to wear freaking glasses, which I, I don't particularly enjoy. But to have, like... The, 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 what's the cultural impact of, of Avatar outside of 3D movie-going experience and for a time having to pay a premium on a TV because there's a 3D TV? Like... When you look at the MCU, when you look at Star Wars, when you look at Back to the Future, when you look at Ghostbusters, when you look at all of these films, all these franchises, name name anything that we talk about here, there is a mm-hmm. cultural legacy there, an impact in some form or another that it has this like lasting penetration into the nerd culture and all that, where I find that Avatar just doesn't have that. And it's the biggest friggin' film of all time. But it doesn't oh, have... It, it just doesn't have that cultural know. legacy to it. And I don't know what it is. It's so strange. But it repeatedly does well on re-releases, right? Like when they re-release it to overtake Endgame again, like it made like 10, 12, 14 million dollars in that one weekend of release, right? Like like that's, that's those are relatively good numbers for a film that was released 15 years ago and everyone's seen at least once. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so are people yeah. chasing the experience or like, that's the thing that just like, that's the thing that bothers me the most is like, for a film that big and have that big of an impact on the box office itself and on technology and all this stuff, right? Like these are things that like were foundational to star Wars, right? It was technological advancement and, and big impacts on storytelling and introducing people to a whole world that they could get into and be immersed inside. But it just never for, for me at least. And from what I see with people, it just never had the steam that any of these other franchises did Jurassic park, anything, right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. carry like a cultural stamp with it. It's just it just exists in my opinion, and that's why like when you come into like a second film that's touted as I think in this thing is like the film experience of a generation. Like I look at that line and I'm like, bro, like 
like do you mean another 3d experience like i just not i'm not seeing like this generation like this isn't a film that anyone at least that i see has been waiting for like if another mm. avatar movie never came out i'd be okay i'm gonna watch this on disney plus if i'm being honest with you i'm not gonna pay the money to go see this in theaters right before christmas time Dude, not... you you watched that trailer and you're not gonna watch that well, dude, I have an 80 inch TV. You have got you have got an 80 inch TV. So it's, like, it's like going to I'm, my local cinema. So. But I'm just I'm not going to make the time. Like if this was an MCU movie, uh, if this was a DC movie, if this was a Star Wars movie, I would make the time. I'm just not going to make the time for this. I might be proven, and I really hope I am proven, like very very wrong about this. Um, it's just a weird stance. No, I mean you you do bring up a really interesting thing, and it's very true what you say. I don't know if it was that the first movie. If it was just the experience of watching it in 3D that, that really drove it forward, it'd be interesting to see how well the second movie does. If it does bring back the same numbers, if if the focus, mm. of course, we, it will use to 3D. Um, I don't know if with the first movie they just didn't know how popular it was gonna be, um, because you know a lot of the things that you did talk about, they they have other things such as toys and and books and all these different things. A that whole worlds and Disney around it. That's incredible. Whole world. Like the, the rides right. are incredible. <laughs> but yeah. like, I guess it does, like in some aspects it does, right? But like, I don't know. Are people going down to Disney World for Pandora? Or are they going for Galaxy's Edge and for the Magic Kingdom and these type of things, right? Like, I, I just, I just, it's just a really weird question mark for me. And like, I just, like outside of yourself, someone that enjoys it. But did you collect Avatar stuff? Do you have an Avatar hot toy? I, but, that, but that's what I mean. Like, there wasn't really that much yeah. out at the time. Like hot, I wasn't collecting hot toys at that point. And there was, I think they released two hot toys. Okay. You know, the, the two main characters. And they weren't very good. They were just like these plastic characters. Now I would, if I saw one, I'd probably buy one. But mm-hmm. they were obviously going to bring out more yes. after this new movie yeah, comes out. So, so. There's, there's no point me doing that. But what I mean is there was no real promotion outside of the movie mm-hmm. for that movie, for the very first one. You know, kids weren't collecting toys. Just think how many people must have gone to see that movie. Why weren't there all these action figures and all these toys that were out at that time? Well, you don't see them they in have... vintage shops or in bins or anything. Like, I don't even, like, do they even, I'm sure they exist. I'm sure there were some toys. I don't know, yeah. But, like, you don't come across any of that, right? You see Power of the Forest for days. You see, like, random wrestling. Like, you see all that legacy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, for a movie of that scale and that size, you don't see, like, anything just kicking around in bins, like, old packaged, you know? Avatar Maybe it's because the, the the Navi, the, the the species, they all look very similar. So I don't know. Maybe that's why people, you know, you get Star Wars, you have all these different characters. I guess. Maybe... But then you get people like, building stormtrooper armies and stuff like that, you know? Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They're, all, they're all literally the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there it is. Like, it's Avatar 2 is coming. It's going to be interesting to see how the sun rolls. And that's something that... We're going to have you back on the podcast definitely to review avatars when we do get around to, to reviewing that is to bring in you know that third perspective um so it's not just carlos and i being like eh, i hated wearing glasses i want i want to have a fruitful discussion about it and um, i'm hoping to have you you in on that but you know we've got about 10 minutes here left in the episode and i i promised you at the top of this one that we're going to talk a little bit about wakanda forever and Black Adam, two movies that Carlos and I have reviewed over the past couple of weeks. So you can go back in the archives and check those out, specifically last week, a review of, of Wakanda Forever, um, and a couple of weeks ago, Black Adam. Now, those are both movies that we shed lots of praise on um, for, for very, very different reasons. Very different reasons. Wakanda Forever, you know, it was, I think, a, a marvel and a success. No pun intended there. Black Adam, I just had a lot of fun with. 
But let's let's start with uh, let's start with Black Adam here. Give an opportunity to to run roughshod over this for for a few minutes here, and I just I want to get kind of that that different opinion. You know what I mean? Like, I think Carlos and I were very kind to the movie. Um, I think it does come with its mm-hmm. flaws, but I think my overall experience inside of it like i had just had a lot of fun with it like it was a low barrier for entry let's jump into this and just kind of turn my brain off like i didn't really have to think much about it but like we step back and start to deconstruct a little bit more okay yeah i can see some of the flaws in it but i want to hear your perspective on on black adam because you're getting a bit spicy online with that one and i love watching it unfold because it's you know it's all about different opinions it's all about different experiences when we're kind of doing this and having these conversations well, I think Black Adam, like I got to it late, of course, because, you know, it's it just because of the Japan time and release dates and stuff. So it was difficult for, you know, I was seeing a lot of people talking about it. And, you know, I was actually I actually got pretty excited because before the movie actually came out, I had no excitement for this movie mm-hmm. whatsoever. Like I it kind of turned out how I was expecting it to be. And I was quite surprised, you know, how much you guys were kind of beginning it up and how much you'd bring, you know, uh, DJ into Dwayne Johnson into discussions and how you, you know the how the excitement levels that you were showing on the shows. Um, maybe just because I didn't, I don't really have that much of a connection with this character in the first place. Mm. But I've never been like I love Dwayne Johnson as a person, Dwayne but I've Johnson. never watched <laughs> the The Rock. Like I've never watched him in a movie and thought this is a good movie or a great movie. Like I've had a bit of enjoyment. I think he's got some good charisma, you know, the jungle cruise, you know, I think he can do humor quite well and he can be, he always comes across as a really nice guy, but going into black Adam, like I uh, thought from the start that this guy is going to be the rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson playing the rock or playing himself as black Adam. And I, that's exactly what I felt we got when I watched Black Adam. Like, I honestly, I watched that movie start to finish and I was bored. Like, halfway into that movie, I really just didn't even think about finishing it. Like, I thought, do I need to actually finish watching this movie? And I kind of regret finishing it because the second half I thought was <laughs> even worse. <laughs> now, the, the reason for, I think, like, I make a lot of comparisons. I'm quite, I think I'm a bit overly critical sometimes. But, you know, if you compare this movie, say, to a Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, for me, it's kind of night and day. Mm-hmm. You know, you got something like Guardians of the Galaxy where you introduce these new characters that we know very little about. And, you know, by the end of it, I'm I'm in love with them. And, you know, I, I care what happens to them. And, you know, I'm, I'm crying at the end when one of them dies or, you know, whatever happens. Whereas with Black Adam, you know, I knew of some of these characters i'm not a big reader of a lot of these characters but i knew who they were but for me like i just had no investment in these characters whatsoever Mm. like i just felt all of the connections and the relationships were really rushed you know i thought them individually they were cool but i there was just no time spent with any of these characters like i wanted to see more about cyclone i wanted to like her because yeah. she seemed really cool, but I, I just got nothing. She just appeared in a few different phases and did some windy stuff. And then that was it. You know, like, Adam Smasher, like, he just turns big twice, like, and does the same thing twice. And, you know, when I see that, immediately I just go to Ant-Man doing his thing. Mm-hmm. He just, and of course that's his power. He has to do that. But for me, it's just like I'm comparing them. I'm like, well, that was, Marvel did it so much better. Like... 
you know, I think you what just the, the movie does lack is is build into it, right? Like, and I, I said this in our review. I said like I wanted more of the Justice League because I wanted that that moment to be more impactful at the end. We won't spoil that, um, but like yeah, it, it does lack a bit of that build into. And I think a lot of the hype for for me it was just around DJ, right? Like he brought me into this movie, but even he himself has had some. You know, he he called out IGN on Twitter the other day and said like, "Hey, hey, you can't compare us to to Black Panther and these type of things, right?" And I think the movie in itself is a very low, like it doesn't take a lot of risks inside of it, right? It is a very status quo movie, right? It performs well, a lot of the action for me very is very repetitive. It seems very similar, and it just doesn't seem to be very clever. You know, I don't feel there are scenes that are that imaginative or that unique some of them are there are some action scenes which are mm-hmm. pretty kind of cool but a lot of it i found kind of quite repetitive and then like you know by the end by the time you get to the end again i won't spoil the end but you know some of course something happens and someone makes a choice and that choice to me just made no sense whatsoever and mm-hmm. we get this kind of this speech you know you got this monologue and i'm like i'm like kind of cringing i'm like this is Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody knows you. We only, we only met you today. <laughs> it's like, and he's he's going off on one, and I'm like Brosnan, like just shut up, man. Just go in because no one's no one's listening. It just didn't really. F- I just had no connection. Yeah, it didn't resonate in the same way it would have if you had spent a movie or two with these characters already, right? Like, yeah, it kind of. And did... even but even his choice, his choice made no sense to me. Like he gives a quote, like he says, what did he, he says something? He says like, you know, I've seen the future. And I see nothing and it's beautiful. And I'm like, who wrote that? That's like the stupidest line I've ever heard in my life. Uh, like, what? It means he, it means, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert on this one. It means you, you can't see any further because he's dead. <laughs> but how's, how's that beautiful? Like, I don't get it. Like, he's, I lived, can, for, I, he's I, lived forever and seen it all. Imagine knowing everything that's going to happen and not having the ability to to change it or influence it for fear of messing it up. And then, like, it's like having, like, all these voices in your head for your whole life. And then at one moment, it's just silence. Just silence. But then why not? Why why does he wait to that moment till he ends it? Like, well, I like think that's the only time he's able to see that end. You know what I mean? Like, that, at that moment in time, he's, he's basically seeing that he's dead. And he's seeing nothing beyond that. And he knows that, okay, this is, I'm, like there's an inevitability here. I'm accepting that inevitability. I'm not going to try to change it. I need this to progress. Like, because I can't see any further into the future, that means my future has ended. I cannot look, can no longer do this. The helmet, someone else can pick up and run away with it. That's kind I of never like... saw it as an inevitability though for me. Like it actually came across almost as a, a suicide. But I think it was like because... basically all options led to death. Like in any scenario but he could have he could have he, he contacts black adam when he's about to die why doesn't he just do it before he goes in the building but because i think there's like there's like some like what is it called a fixed point in the universe where you can't change it no matter what you do like in a time okay. stream right like it's a fixed point like he is going to die no matter in in any scenario with black adam's there or not dr fate that's the end for him but right. yeah i just saw him like he's he's just there on the floor and he's he calls black adam and i'm like why didn't he just do this because he can see the future. Why doesn't he just do this earlier? But he like can't he see the future anymore because he's dead. <laughs> but he could have. And we... then, and then there's then there's the line that made me laugh. He says he contacts Black Adam and he says like nobody else can say no one else is strong enough to save the the world. But then they bring Superman at the end. <laughs> it's like, 
why didn't you just contact Superman? Why didn't they just contact Superman in the plane on the way there? Yeah. <laughs> like... Suits, bro. And we need we need your hand here. <laughs> no, well, you they could go. Cool. When I think like the that's just the I think the convenience of writing, right? The convenience of of some of the storytelling is that certain things are omitted, right? And I think every every film has these faults and and I don't want to give Black Adam any more of a break because I've given MCU movies a break for this kind of thing before, but um let, let's switch gears here a little bit let's because we could talk at nauseum about some of the stuff but let's go over to wakanda forever so we reviewed this last week where, where did you sit on that spectrum of of the the experience and and the the movie you know we we rated this pretty high i gave this movie an a are you sitting mm-hmm. in that space or, or are you looking at, at something different i i honestly think that the comparison online between black panther one and black panther two i don't think it's a fair comparison because they're one is a consequence of of another, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you can compare the two movies because, like, it's the this does this film doesn't exist without events happening, and so to compare the two of them, I just don't think you can do it. Like, I think you can like one more than the other, but to say that one is mm-hmm. better than the other, I think is really difficult because it is to me they're incomparable. But like I said, you can like I one think more than the yeah, other. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, but what I do totally you, what, Wakanda Forever? Where, where do you kind of sit on this one? Just to wrap this one up. I oh, know I'm I'm up there with you guys. Like you know, for me it's like I I I give it an A A plus. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely yeah. adored that so movie. Good. My my first experience was bad. Yeah, I went because I I tried to get IMAX tickets and it was like selling out really quick. And I had these I had to watch it in 3D. And man, like I was so close to the screen and I had these 3D glasses I on. Did the same. I had 3D and, too. <laughs> And it was like some of the action, I just couldn't see what was going on. It was just moving too quickly. I, th- I just think I was just way too close to the screen. I had these this group in front of me um, who were just overly loud. Like it never happens in the Japanese cinema, but you know, we had this, this foreign group of nine people who were just making so much noise. So I had to go and watch it again a couple of days later. Um, but even that first experience, like, you know, going out, leaving the cinema then I, I just I loved it but even the second time just you know being in a quieter theater and you know being in a good seat and taking it mm-hmm. all in like I, I absolutely love it and I think I you know the second viewing I even noticed more that I liked about it um, and yeah everything about it kind of works for me I think so many great decisions were made uh, like Carlos just said in in your review show you know just how they used um, you know, Black Panther's death, like Boseman's death, and they used it in a, in a way that it reflected how he died in real mm-hmm. life. I thought it was really clever. I, I thought Shuri's, you know, progression into the Black Panther, um, you know, was, was justified and it was done really well. You know, when she actually puts on that suit and she kind of jumps down, like just the, the emotion and the mm-hmm. feelings that I, that I experienced. Um, and I thought it, it took a really clever direction. I was actually, when we get the big surprise of who she sees mm-hmm. when she has the herb. Um, for me, like I was in shock, but I was also like, I had so much respect for that choice that they'd made. And I actually thought they were going to take that movie in a- another direction. And I thought we were going to end with a kind of Killmonger kind of character version of Black Panther. Mm. We didn't, and I'm kind of glad at the end that we didn't, but I do think that switch was a little bit too quick. You know, she kind of was very angry and vengeful, and there was just that one scene where she then sees her mother, and her mother kind of tells her to, 
you know, remember, remember who you are. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, of course, if a mother didn't do that, what would she, how would she have reacted and how would she have gone? And then, you know, Namor's then switches as well. So that was a little bit too quick for me, but I don't really know how they could have done that unless they made them a longer movie or yeah or cut all the the bolted on stuff like we were talking about last week out of it right where yeah you take out you shave 20 minutes off this and you give a bit more time because that's even like even the the resolution this happens in a lot of mc this happens a lot of big movies too not just mc movies is that your resolution comes very very quick right you spend a lot of time building the mystery building up the the choice that has to be made and once that choice is is made it very, very rapidly escalates to the point of where we need to end this movie. Like the big fight at the end and the whole Namor thing, like that is the, both of those are like the, the two biggest action set pieces outside of the car chase. And they happen within 10 minutes, like both of those two big things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so when you don't, when you don't kind of build the time and I think like a lot of it just comes down to pacing with regards to all the extra stuff that was kind of chucked in there for the, the MC world building that, you know, I think Kugler wrote a movie and then 20 minutes were shoved inside of it um, for MCU mm-hmm. stuff. So, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you, you enjoyed Wakanda forever. Cause it, it was a, it's a great movie. And like I said, a complex watch. Something I got to check out. It's again. interesting. You say how you can't compare the two. Cause that's quite an interesting, like I know a lot of people are saying that and you know, I try to think which one do I like more? And I think mm-hmm. you can take which one you enjoyed 100%, more, you liked yeah. more. But I think, you know, which one is the better movie is actually, it's more of a difficult way to look at it. And mm. I, as you said, I don't think you can make that that this, that choice based on the fact that, you know, what happened because of the other and things that happened in the second movie, of course, happened because of real life situations that, of course, whether yeah. it's for the, for the better or for the worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was something that struck me like watching a lot of people compare it and say, "Oh no, the first one's better than all this." And I just it's a very I think it's a very hard movie to like I said bring to that sort of comparison, but it like you can like one more than the other. I think that's that's a very fair opinion, but trying to directly compare the two and saying like one is executed better, one like they're just so different movies and because of mm-hmm. like how it actually came about, like I think it's very hard to say like I don't know, and like I don't know if you can take that critical element out of it and just put it into like a, a personal like ah, like this experience was better for me, you know. Maybe you don't like the heavier tones of of Wakanda Forever, right? And you know, Black Panther was a bit more superhero esque, bombastic. It was a bit more flashy, and this one is definitely uh, definitely a lower tone, like across the board, both in shots and and scale, and you know, just everything. So. But it uh, it's definitely an experience there, and we're gonna put a pin in it again this week. Ian, it's been it's been a pleasure having you back on the podcast. You're gonna make a couple of appearances here throughout December, of course, with the Avatar two review. Uh, we'll likely get a toy stream live in here within the next couple of weeks, and um, and we'll just see uh, see what else happens. So it's it's always great having you here on the podcast, filling in the seat of Carlos there, and or actually this is your own seat. He's just not here tonight. Um, so yeah, he, ne- he never seems to join when uh, when I'm here. I don't I don't know if that's. Uh, you can read into that, that all you want. No, Carlos this week actually he had. I think it's I think it's he's he's never forgiven me for saying Prince is better than Michael Jackson. <laughs> Probably not, to be honest <laughs> with you. But uh, I do know he enjoys your company. But he was over on the Vigilante 1939 
YouTube show. You and I were in the comments there a bit earlier this yep. evening. He was talking with uh, Zeddy and the crew there about Superman, something that Zeddy is super passionate about. And Carlos just couldn't pass up the opportunity to be a part of that discussion. So make sure to head over to the Vigilante 1939 YouTube channel and check out their, their discussion on the replay of, of Superman, the future of Superman, specifically on film. Um, within the, the new DC studios run by uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran there. So go check that out. And for us here in the Nerd Room, if you'd like to be a bigger part of any of these conversations, you can always email us at nerdroom.gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. YouTube is where it's at. We're slowly and surely growing that out. Ian just posted, like I said at the top, a brand new video with a review of the Mafex Harley Quinn. And we've got another vlog that's going to be posted this Friday, which has a little bit of a Black Panther twist. So Ian continues to bring the content there. Him and I discussed about what I could contribute more to this. And so I'm going to have some brief history videos that are going to be showing up on the YouTube channel in the not-too-distant future here as I finally feel like my life has calmed down. And so I'm really looking forward to that and, and building that channel into 2023. It's going to be a big focus here in the Nerd Room is expanding that, getting us up to a thousand person uh, subscriber list and, uh, and just moving from there and building the community. And that's what we're looking forward to here, guys. So all that being said, lots discussed this evening, but uh, but Ian, my friend, we got to sign off for this week. So for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Ian. And thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.